Ultra. Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are crashing through Disney's Little Mermaid one minute at a time. I'm Kester Dorowski. I'm Andrew Dorowski. And today we are joined by Josh and Gavin from the Animation Station podcast. Welcome, guys. Hello, everybody. Hi. Thanks for having us on. Glad to be on. Just starting out with the week, why don't you give a little breakdown of what you do on your podcast? Well, we like to basically... Oh, real quick. I'm Josh. Oh, yeah. He's Josh. Yeah. I'm Gavin. And <laughs> what we like to do on our show is we like to just geek out about animation, kind of like what you guys do, but kind of more of a big picture view. Uh, you know, we hit a different genre, a different movie every single week, and we just geek out about it. We also mix in top five lists where we rank our top five things in different animation categories. Um, and then we review current movies as well, um, you know, like... The day after uh, an animated film opens, we'll go and watch it. We'll do our instant reaction review. Um, so we kind of just love talking about animation, and that's what we do on our show. We love animation, too. That's why we had you guys on as guests. <laughs> Wait, we love animation? Yes. Oh, it's in our name, I guess. Disney <laughs> Animation. You got you to gotta get that, that search engine optimization. You got to get the SEO so when people look up animation podcasts, they find mm -hmm. us. Yep. Yes. Yes. Well, today we are discussing Minute 51, which begins with the camera zooming in on the castle from where Eric was helping Ariel walk across the beach, and it ends with Grimsby saying, nice young ladies, and it cuts off there. So what do nice young ladies... This one cuts off a lot between lines. <laughs> it's so mm -hmm. frustrating. This movie, I'd say, is I mean, definitely more significant than Snow White. We had it a handful of times, but I bet there is probably twice as much dialogue. As Snow yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Minute 51 of The Little Mermaid features Ariel getting a bath, Ariel's makeshift dress getting washed with Sebastian still in it. Sebastian It also gets turned into a shirt. Yeah, it gets turned into true. a shirt. I have <laughs> I have questions that about that. That was one of the main <laughs> things I wrote down. How We've does a no. sail turn into sleeves? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes. Sebastian finding him uh, finds himself in the kitchen, and Eric and Grinsby conversing in the dining hall. Mm -hmm. All right, that's minute fifty-one. Yeah, a lot happens, and originally there was supposed to be more extended scenes of everything that happens here. Right. So they everything. So like everything in this, because we get three. Like, well, I don't know. I guess you listed four things, but there's there's bath time, laundry time, and kitchen time and dining hall time right at least of the washing but i'm i i, I wouldn't be surprised if there was supposed to be a more extended everything okay um let's start in order let's start with bath time okay yeah so this i find bathroom. it i find it striking i just wanted to jump in real quick i find it so striking that the second they get to land they both end up back in water she's in the top <laughs> And Sebastian's in a wash bin. I just think, oh my gosh, you finally make it, and it's bath time instantly. Yeah, I didn't like think I, about that, but yeah. I bet it's actually really good for Ariel to kind of get time in the water with her right. new legs, so she can kind of get a sense of what's going on. I, I want to talk about that bathroom. Uh, that bathroom is 
so amazing. Spectacular. And it's like completely round, which I guess means it's probably in one of the towers of the palace. And mm-hmm. it's got those beautiful views. So it's probably like kind of high in the tower, which means somebody has to carry that water up where <laughs> they have good pumps. Yep. And and it's a great bubble bath. It's huge. It's huge. Mm-hmm. So many bubbles. And these bubbles are, are different from the bubbles that you see. Under, under, under the water. Uh, underwater. I was going to talk about that because she's playing with these bubbles. And it's the yeah. first time she's ever been able to play with bubbles like this because of the way they interact with gravity. They've completely, right. like, it's a completely different experience for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a, they do a good job of differentiating those bubbles because it's much more of a soapy, sudsy kind of feel to it than those, you know, air pocket type bubbles that you would see under the water. And you're right, you know, bubbles above the water are going to sink naturally and bubbles below the water are going to rise naturally. So yeah, it's a cool moment for her to kind of, like you said, get her sea legs, but also just experience things from a different perspective. Yeah. yeah. But it's also not bubbles, like bubbles that you would play with a, a, a child. Mm-hmm. That, like like bubble, bubble baths aren't like that kind of Yeah. Bubbles. Not like, like, I guess it would be a toy. That's yeah. called bubbles. bubbles. I think I... those bubbles are are in the National Toy Hall of Fame. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's like the the bubbles where you have a bubble wand and you're blowing bubbles. But this is bath time bubbles. Mm-hmm. But she's still getting to play with them some, which I bet is really weird for her. She's like bubbles are always like just like rushing to the surface. This is so weird for me to look at a bubble. Yeah, and then it pops, and then mm-hmm. but but the bath itself, it's like a seashell. I, I think that they're going for kind of a Botticelli's Venus kind of thing with this Agreed. seashell, the way it's set up in this in this setting and having Ariel in the middle of it. I totally agree. I think the, the Baroque feel, or the Renaissance feel of the, the whole architecture of that bathroom speaks directly to that. And I think it's gorgeous. The interiors of the castle are all fantastic, but I think this is among the best, this, this bathroom scene. It's so exquisite. Yeah, and it's got like the two sets of stairs. It has the chandelier. It's just such a it's such a cool place, and, and, and I would love to take a bath there. Yes, and then the fish. That's the yeah. Fish there's head. the fish ornament, which I think might be how the water flows in, but I'm not sure. According to Disney Wiki, um, on the page for Eric's castle, it has a like it lists all the different rooms in the castle that we get to see at least. Yeah. And it says the bathhouse, and it talks about how it says with uh, inside the room is one marble bathtub with a fish fountain that pours water into the bath. Mm, okay. So according to Disney Wiki, that is the the faucet. I just realized we we did like an unusually large amount of research for this week for um, you know what's accurate and how things match up. Mm-hmm. I didn't think to check when bubble baths became a thing. Do you <laughs> think this is going to be a little question. early for the bubble bath? I don't know, because this is going to be set in... When was Hans Christian Andersen around? Was um, it the late 1700s that he was writing his I'm going to guess into like 17 and 1800s for him. I'm not 100% sure. The movie seems to be set... In the mid 1800s, I'll get a little bit more into that later. But we've kind of settled on on the mid to maybe even later mid 1800s. Okay. Um, which it's hard. Like other people have done research online, and they always say it's like this one's one of the most difficult to like actually place in <laughs> a chronological setting, right? Because they have 
things that are like some of the fashion is not quite right. Like like Grimsby is dressed a little bit late 1700s mm-hmm. and not quite right for the mid to later 1800s. And then Ariel's dresses, who knows? <laughs> and, <laughs> They're all over the place. Yeah, the ships are pretty consistent with mid 1800s. Um, it's possible that there could be like steamships going around at this point, mm-hmm. but it still would have been common for the sailing ships to be in place. So uh, also there's a bust of Abraham Lincoln in Ariel's Grotto. Oh, yeah, I do remember and seeing so that. And so if we're if and it, it's not crazy for us to take that kind of at face value and push it into um, the post Lincoln time frame and get into like the 1870s. Mm hmm. Uh, so one of those could have floated down to the, to the bottom of the sea. Sure. So we lean towards, I guess at this point, the 1870s, but, um, everything I've seen indicates it's at least the mid 1800s. Um, and I'll get into that. There's, there's an architectural note, uh, in the last shot of this minute. So I'll save that bit. I just did some quick research. I on, couldn't. On bubble baths. I couldn't find an exact <laughs> date for when bubble baths started, but a lot of the dates that they were stating, of like when they like first early were, bubble bath stuff. Yeah, was early 1900s. I'm sure that's uh, dealing with like the manufactured bubble bath solution, not like yeah. the fact that bubbles appeared in your bath. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because so, I mean, they had soap and, you know, yeah. things that would create suds. So I would imagine that there were ways that they could, you know, froth up a bathtub for you. Yeah, so this this is probably a pre-bubble bath solution bubble bath. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, any other notes on, on the, bath? The, the bath time? I don't think so. No. I, I mean, like you mentioned the view. I mean, it would be... Not only luxurious to be just in that bathroom, but then to have that great view as well. I mean, yeah, ultimate ultimate spa day. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only other thing I was going to mention, but that's for, for later when I actually go into more depth, is Carlotta's there, the maid of the castle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's helping her. She, I think she's a good choice. She seems nice. Yeah. Whereas some of the other women we meet in this minute, not as no. much. I would not want them being the first Mm-mm. ones to interact. Um, my last note is, I wonder what like the change in gravity and pressure is doing to Ariel at this point. Because she's now been on land for probably a few hours. She's probably feeling it. Uh, mm-hmm. And like, I don't know what her bone density was like when she was a mermaid. Yeah. Because well, we, we talked about that on our did. episode where... The moment that Ursula turns her uh, into a human and Flounder and Sebastian, like, shoot her up to the surface, she's got to get the bins. Oh, yeah. Like, like that's she's dead. We, exactly. We did a whole thing on, like, on depth records and mm-hmm. the so the guy that holds the complete record for, like, scuba diving, he went to the depth record in the course of, like, an hour. And then he spent 14 hours decompressing as he came up. He was underwater wow. for, like, 15 hours. So he swam straight down. And then he had nine scuba tanks on him so that he could spend 14 hours coming back to the surface so he could decompress. Wow. That's crazy. And she and goes to the shore in like, like 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so uh. she's done. Well, the other thing I was thinking about, because like, um, I I mean, thanks to a couple years ago, Space Commander Chris Hadfield doing like all his wonderful videos about NASA. Mm-hmm. People learned a lot more about the space station and, and how, how everything works up there. And then coming back. 
astronauts can only go up for like six months at a time because right. their bone density decreases because the because of the lack of gravity and their muscle structure it like changes. And so when they come back down, they need like three weeks of recovery and they feel super weak in gravity. So if she has something like that, she's in no shape to be doing like much of anything. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I wonder if the not to get too sciencey here, but I wonder if because we're talking about zero G's versus, you know, being underwater where you have a buoyancy factor and you got the the water pressure around you. So your structure would have to maintain some sort of strength to withstand the the uh, the depth pressure. Right. So I don't yeah. know if it, it totally equates, but I, I think it's a fair point. Like she would be shaky at, at least. Yeah, I, I think it definitely isn't exactly the same as zero G's, but it's a very different environment. Mm -hmm. um, which I think they, again, and, and we'll mention this more later, like they definitely deserve points for animating two completely different environments, one completely underwater and one completely on land mm -hmm. and doing little touches to Ariel that make that feel real and consistent because she's the character that spends the most time in, in both places and you're following her story. So when you see her in the water versus on land, like you can feel the difference. It's really subtle stuff with the animation that you can, you can see and subconsciously know it's like, Oh, this is not the same. Oh yeah, absolutely. They do a great job. I think she's the most well animated thing in the movie. Yeah, almost certainly. And they did. I think she was the one that they did the most live action reference for. Mm -hmm. Eric gets some. Gets some. I don't know about any of the others, but I know that Eric gets some, but Ariel gets a like lot. a lot. Yeah. Sherry Stoner did a lot of work for them to get es everything right. Especially with her losing her voice. It was, we talked about this uh, last week, mm -hmm. but uh, she, it was always hard for the animators to picture a, a character a that character has no voice that, like, that has mm -hmm. no voice uh, because it would when they were doing story reels and, and storyboarding she would just fall into the background and kind of just disappear because she wasn't being animated. it's hard to feature without yes. the, the voice animation right. to do it's all pantomime and, and so then with with all of this, they needed to, her to pantomime a lot and they needed mm -hmm. her to be more focused, uh, like there as mm -hmm. a, as a character and as the, the main character, it's herself. It, it, like you can see her motions when she doesn't have voice definitely get bigger. And I think it's kind of a side effect of having a performer doing pantomime actions. Um, not so much that a character would necessarily be performing that much bigger. Yeah. Right. Should we jump to the shirt slash sale? Okay, <laughs> the so, sale so that it, turns it, into a shirt? There's a transition. So we we had the sale last week, and then she's in the bath now, and Sebastian is in a pocket in the sale now, which I don't know how the sale is have pockets. Pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. So it's sort of transitioning. And then when we get to laundry time, it is now... Definitely a shirt. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. The well, only thing the I scene... can think is maybe, maybe he like falls out of the canvas and like into a shirt pocket. That's yes. the only thing that I could possibly, but I'd like to think it's magic. Sure. That would, that, <laughs> they that have magic laundry that fixes yeah. everything. 
Exactly. <laughs> I mean, his his shirt goes from that dull gray color to a sparkling white the moment that she hangs it on the clothesline. So yeah, almost we a have creamy have color. Yeah. <laughs> and in the bath scene with the the sails hanging on the rod, it looks like it's shrunk like yeah, a it's, lot. Yeah, it's smaller. There, you can see tears that you couldn't see before. And yeah, and then Carlotta's like, "I'm gonna get this." washed because wait what if carlotta swapped it out for a shirt but what about sebastian i i don't have a good explanation for that <laughs> magic he's just hopping from but pocket she's to pocket. the only one that she's the only one we knew that had contact with it between saying i'm gonna go get it washed and it hitting the laundry basket but why that it, no like, it's, she, i'm just trying i'm trying you tried it's not working it's not work. <laughs> we're also yeah, assuming so. that there's no time lapses in there and it could have been taken somewhere and sort of mended and turned into a shirt and then laundered that's a good point but, so if she saw that it was theory. torn uh, yeah would, so would you have someone that had a little... shirt and not a dress I don't know. That's a great he point, He was like, too. Hmm, how about a blouse? <laughs> it's like, the 1870s. Is this the same? shirt. <laughs> Wait a second. I really like this theory because then, because she wears a white blouse top as part of her outfit mm-hmm. in, when she's seeing the city. Maybe. So but- what if, yeah, they could have taken it to someone and they're like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? They're like, she <laughs> was wearing it. And the seamstress is just like, all right, there's only enough fabric here for a blouse but i could do that yeah <laughs> and it's uh, like oh look there's a pocket already in it <laughs> nice. but what about sebastian he was hiding in the pocket the whole wouldn't time wouldn't they have noticed that there's something <laughs> in the pocket i don't know or maybe he snuck out and then snuck back into it they maybe that's part <laughs> of the deleted sequence they had this whole sewing sequence okay. yeah because it you're right like we were reading this as though it was um you know, happening basically in real time, right. which doesn't track because Ariel would have had to have time to get out of the bath, get dried off, get her hair done, and get into the dress before dinner. And that's mm-hmm. probably at least half an hour, 45 minutes, two hours. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sweetheart, how long does it take me to get ready? I don't know. I'm usually <laughs> doing something else. <laughs> I'm listening to podcasts and like putting some dishes in the dishwasher or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. It would have been like, I mean, it, it's not two minutes, which is what we're dealing with before we see it right. next. I mean, drying all of that hair alone, pre-hair dryers or blow dryers, that, that's going to take some mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So de- something definitely happened. And I'm going with headcanon. They took it to a seamstress who turned it into a shirt, which is the shirt that Ariel wears later. Which I like, I like but Sebastian, that's just my Yeah, it, it's hard to track with Sebastian. Sebastian... He he has one of my favorite things where he quietly tries to tell the women to leave him alone. He says, "Madams, please." Yeah, but when they're like when move. they're about to push him through the drying I, press. I I never saw but that. But you can before. hear him say, "Like, madams, please." I never like heard it before. I never like processed it. This was all just like this is all just happening. You're just hearing all the gossip from, yes. from whoever it was but, about whoever it was. Was it Gertrude? When Ger- she Gertrude, got in everything? What, what, what did, what does Gertrude have to say? And she can't get anything right. It was like, these are mean women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but then we were watching it with, we watch it with subtitles so that we mm-hmm. can make sure that we catch everything. Catch everything. Oh, okay. 
and there was madams, please. And we're like, and it sounded exactly like Sebastian. What? So it must have been Sebastian trying to like, be yeah. like no, stop. Yeah, and, and then they squish him. Sebastian and, should be dead. Yeah, he's that, a very that's one resilient of the only crab. moments in the movie that I thought, well, that I know that you're bending a lot of rules being cartoony, <laughs> but when they you know press him through that dryer and you know he gets flattened. That to me is a type of humor that didn't seem to belong in this movie. That that may be just me, because the next scene gets pretty slapstick when they get in the kitchen. But nobody yeah. gets flattened like a sheet of paper like that and then pops yeah. back out. I don't know. Have that was seen, a little bit of a stretch to me. Have you seen? It's, it's kind of the most Tom and Jerry. People get run over by steamrollers yeah, all the time Looney and they Tunes. pop right back. That's up. what I'm saying. This isn't Looney Tunes. You're no Looney Tunes. Like it just this yeah. particular moment didn't seem to quite belong. But it's real quick, so it doesn't really affect the movie. Yeah, it, they kind of, they're just getting you to the kitchen, uh, basically. So I, I agree, it is a little bit out of place, but it's not, it doesn't really um, take you out of the movie as you're watching it. It takes you out of this minute, but that's about it. Yeah, agreed. Um, Okay, and then he gets into the kitchen, and this is a time when I noticed a lot of times... I know in merchandising, they say Sebastian has yellow eyes. And then sometimes through the movie, his eyes have seemed ye- yellow. Once he hits the kitchen, I'm like, no, those eyes aren't yellow. Like, he has white, white eyes. Yeah, that's yes. true. There was supposed to be a deleted scene of Max, according to the audio commentary on our, our Blu-ray copy, uh, of Max chasing Sebastian throughout the castle before he gets to the kitchen. I kind of would have Ooh. liked that, I think. I do, and too. And then there was also... And then there was also supposed to be a deleted scene, according to IMDb, about Sebastian being lost throughout the castle. I don't know if that's the same thing as Max chasing him throughout the castle. My guess is somebody took that same information and wrote the IMDb trivia as that. Yeah, that's probably it. But I would have liked to see more of Max, but that's because I love Max. Yeah, this movie ends up being kind of short. It's like 80 minutes plus credits. Um I think I would have enjoyed that sequence. I think it could have padded it out a little bit and, and made it... I mean, ultimately, this movie feels, like, really compact when mm-hmm. when you're doing it minute by minute. Like, we were more than halfway through before she got her legs. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And so, a little bit of extra time, especially with, like, Sebastian and Max. It's like, oh, the two animal sidekicks, like, a little bit of animosity, then they're going to be friends. But then you're getting into, like, maybe that doesn't quite work because they did that in Pocahontas and... But it's Pocahontas isn't a great example for all kinds of no, things. No, it's not a great example. <laughs> yeah, agreed. But but Sebastian in the kitchen, <laughs> he is terrified. Yeah, they did some very intense artwork in this kitchen. Yeah, I did take note of all the food that we we everything see. we see. Uh, there's a bread bowl when he first lands on the kitchen counter. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. There's fish next to a cleaver. Like a ton of fish, mm-hmm. and that's cleaver number one. Yes, <laughs> that we see this Andrew week. kept a, a tally of all the cleavers that we <laughs> we have. It's it's what it's a well stocked kitchen when it comes it to the cutlery. Is yes. Uh, then there's an octopus cooking in a pot with all its like five of its tentacles at least out. Yes. Which I don't think I think you want to cook the tentacles in particular. Yeah. Much more than you want to cook like the body. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it was an artistic choice, a... not a culinary choice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then there was a, a fish like 
being, uh, I don't know, fried, fried on on next yeah. to the the pot with the sautéed maybe maybe, and then several overboiling pots with lots of mm-hmm. uh, foamy foamy substance yeah. coming out. Then there's the stuffed crab yes. platter mm-hmm. that we see, which is like. That's pretty intense because they like those crab bodies look just like Sebastian. Yep. Yes, <laughs> like that's that's maybe a little bit much. And there's a toothpick in each one. They must be soft shell crabs. With with like olive, there's definitely like, an olive, and, and then maybe like onion like, and cheese or something, or garlic and cheese or something. I don't know exactly. A little, a little cube of mozzarella. But then there's also one <laughs> shot where I, I can't remember exactly where it is. But there's a slice of orange in the it's background. Behind the, it's behind the stuffed it's crabs. It's behind the stuffed crabs. Mm-hmm. There's a slice of orange in the background just lying there on the counter. <laughs> did you do any research on uh, what goes into stuffed crabs? I did. Uh, the best recipe I could find was on Food Network. Everything else seems like stuffed crab, but not like inside a shell, kind of. Okay. I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure if this one even is in a shell or not. I, I couldn't really find. Because the way they look is that the crab seems to like the crab meat I would guess had been extracted from these shells done with some spices and everything and stuffed back in and then like wrapped in with a piece of lettuce. I would describe it kind of like mm-hmm. deviled eggs where you like scoop the stuff out, you do a bunch of seasonings, you put it back in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this I would one agree does that. say that it stuffs you stuff the shells. Okay. Uh but the the ingredients are uh uh, butter, red onion, uh, yellow pepper, uh, fennel, clove, clove of garlic, kosher salt, ground black pepper, breadcrumbs. Um, I assume this is like uh, mixed with the crab meat that you have extracted. Crabs. Okay. <laughs> uh, that have been poached, meat okay. removed, Got shells it. washed and trimmed. Okay. Mayo, so mayonnaise, lemon. Zested and juiced. Okay. Uh, By the way, whose recipe is this? It's on Food Network. Recipe of Cheryl, um, Cheryl Smith. Okay. Just to, you know, credit where it's due. Uh, <laughs> chopped tarragon, chopped parsley, and scallions. Okay, so it does sound kind of like deviled eggs. Like the process, you like take the meat out, clean the stuff. Then you mix everything together, and then you stuff it back in. Yeah, you, you over a skillet, you you melt some stuff and add some stuff for them mm-hmm. to cook it up. Cook it up, and then you slowly add things, mm-hmm. and um, and then you add the crab meat and add the rest of the seasonings. Mix the ingredients, and then stuff the shells, and then bake it in the oven. Oh, Chef Louis doesn't bake; he fries. <laughs> yes, it, uh, this is making me hungry. The, the, the crabs <laughs> are supposed to be poached before. So no, you poach the crab in 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 the big silver pot, mm-hmm. not to mm-hmm. get ahead of ourselves. But yeah, <laughs> that's that's the in, in, in the recipe according to Cheryl Food Smith okay. on Food Network. I could get behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the kitchen, and then we cut to the dining room. Which, mm-hmm. I love this establishing shot in the dining room. It's so huge. Like, yeah. it's such a big, tall room. And I did some research on it because it reminded me of something. And it reminded me of the Crystal Palace from the London exhibition. Uh, it was basically a World's Fair in London. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. and they built this crystal palace in Hyde Park, which no longer is there, which is a shame, but it was all wrought iron, like cast iron and glass. That's all yeah. it was everywhere, basically. I love the design of the crystal palace. And so when I looked it up, I was comparing things I'm like, definitely like this, this dining room definitely looks like it was inspired by the crystal palace because the tall glass windows with the panes that size and everything. Mm-hmm. And so I did the research and it, those types of glass windows couldn't really be done before the 1840s. I think it was 1848 was when they developed the, um, it was like cast plate glass, mm-hmm. um, was was the manufacturing method so they couldn't this this can't take place before the 1840s at least and so i'm still leaning towards the 1870s and just like the design of the windows and the way they have the arches at at the top like it's definitely a crystal palace kind of reference and there is a crystal palace at disney parks right kestra yes um, but it's not the same kind of crystal it's not palace. exactly the same there are some arched windows but uh, and some circular things, but it's not in exactly the same. It's at Walt Disney World Magic Kingdom mm-hmm. on Main Street, and you can dine with Winnie the Pooh characters. And <laughs> specifically, their breakfast is highly recommended. <laughs> yeah, so it's... Oh, and I double-checked. It's 1841 is when the the glass manufacturing method was developed, and uh, this would all be within the Victorian architecture style. So this mm-hmm. palace has definite Victorian architecture in it. I think the the ceiling also would fit with that Victorian stuff. I don't understand where this room is, though, in the palace, because it's it's big and square, and the palace yeah. is basically round everywhere. And you never see it from any of the exterior shots of the castle, which yeah, you, you really can't only see, see from the front anyway. You don't see around the back, really. I don't think that yeah. I can remember. But yeah, I agree. It it's it kind of stands out. It it looks fantastic from the inside, but when you start to think about it architecturally from the outside, where would it be? And I don't know. Weird. But I love your reference to the Crystal Palace. That's perfect and it clearly has to be drawing inspiration from that. It's it's, you know. Yeah, if if you pull correct. up images of the Crystal Palace, mm-hmm. you'll see, you know, the tall windows and then they're capped with that arch. Yeah, on the top of these these long, tall, rectangular panes of glass. Mm-hmm. Yes, according to Disney Wiki, the dining hall is on the eastern area of the castle, with large windows that face the eastern shorefront. Um. So what? Wait, are, what is eastern the... shorefront? I know that doesn't make sense because the shore. I would have okay. Would be what on the west? I mean. I, we could be demonstrating a bias because of the way they frame most of the shots with the palace and the the ocean is on the left side and the, the palace is on the right side. And so we might be doing an east-west bias based on that um, and the way we typically look at maps and globes. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if I'm just um, attaching my own impression here, but I always kind of felt like it was a bit on a peninsula. So there could be ocean on both sides of the castle i i can agree with that i was thinking about that because we do only get like the one angle whenever we see establishing shots of the Mm -hmm. palace Mm -hmm. um it's always from the one side so there could definitely be that like it it might be on a peninsula and you've got ocean on three sides or something like that yeah i can go with that 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 makes sense yeah so uh, let's go with that as our theory (laughs) It has ocean on three sides. I don't know what three sides, but I'm guessing <laughs> east, north, and west. west? Yes, I would and go. Kind of south is the is the 
land. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. Uh, but also in the palace, you are in the dining hall. You see these huge, like ginormous big paintings. paintings, like like mural sized mm-hmm. <laughs> paintings. And uh, there are three paintings that you see here on the wall across from the windows. And the first painting closest to the audience mm-hmm. would is a ship with like as is, crashing as is waves, the back painting as is the back painting but in the middle in the middle there's a painting of two pe- people uh, a, a man and a woman and the woman's in a blue dress and she has blonde hair and the similarities it's it's Philip and Aurora. They they look ex- <laughs> really like uh, Philip and Aurora. Aurora in her blue dress from from Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. From Sleeping Beauty. Which, if they were doing it now, they definitely would have done the pink dress because that's how they merchandise. Because Cinderella's blue, and so Sleeping Beauty has to be in the pink dress so people don't get confused. But I like, I, and I know a lot of people do enjoy Sleeping Beauty in the blue dress. Yeah, yeah and- I like her in blue best myself it's hard because like i mean for the branding of the disney princesses they have to go with like a specific color palette for each one so you can get that iconography and you can be consistent and make it easy but at the same time like they're different shades of blue that you would think of with snow or not snow white with uh, cinderella Cinderella and with sleeping beauty so sleeping beauty has you know a darker deeper blue and cinderella is a much lighter kind of sky blue yeah Yes. So I think they could have gotten away with it, but, but yeah, as it turns out, they've gone with pink for Sleeping Beauty, which I always liked the blue better. But you, blue is our favorite. Yeah, we're, uh, like I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> blue is our, our, our favorite color. Um, but with with this huge, ginormous painting of Philip and Aurora, it's, it's basically stating that Eric... Is, is a descendant. Or or at least the family lines oh. connected at some point. Which Sleeping Beauty is like 400 years before this. Yes. And it takes place in France, I believe. Yes, yes. That's correct. Which I think is another argument to say that maybe this isn't Denmark. Maybe it's somewhere closer to France. Maybe Monaco or, or something. Mediterranean area. Yeah. Okay. Which I just like think I like thinking of that better. Yeah, you have then two I... character references to France with the cook and then S- Sebastian being from like the French Caribbean era area. So mm-hmm. I, it could easily be in France. Yeah. And uh, well, I think maybe not France proper, but maybe a small kingdom mm-hmm. near France. And so I'm I'm going with Monaco as something like that. Right. Yeah, you know, like famous coast. All that. And sort of stuff. We, we've talked about the, the opening shot of the palace or the. Not the opening shot, but the... The establishing the shot. The establishing shot. That's the word. Establishing shot of the palace. It, The palace itself, a lot of inspiration came from from Wales and Switzerland. But, uh, but then they also had some uh, inspiration from the Mediterranean. Like, when you see, like, the, the pale, smooth, which means plastered exterior of the palace, it definitely strikes a Mediterranean yeah. uh, note in my mind. Yeah, me too. I agree with that. Um, My only, like, the last note I have for this minute is, the so there's the crest, and you see it at the top of the the dining room, and on the top of Eric's chair, and it was on his statue, and Eric's crest is, like, this big fancy E, 
was that somehow a family crest or did they change that all out since Eric is the is like the the orphan ruler of this kingdom? I don't know. But also on his chair, the the chair that we see in his chair is his is chair is beautiful and but, but huge. it's too big. It's, it's too way big. too big. But the the E on the chair doesn't look exactly like an E. It looks almost like a D to me. Hmm. But that that could be just I mean it's it's a big fancy illuminated yes, letter. Yes. But this this E I feel like it's dating Eric. But Do I you, just don't know, like, you don't know the we don't know what the family name is. Yeah, so it could be, he could, his initials could be E.E. Eric Erickson. <laughs> That's gotta be. I guess it, he'd probably be like Eric Erickson the fifth mm-hmm. if it's going back. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. But it's always like, that has definitely been his crest and, and a number of things like the, there's Shit. good. There's good branding. Yes, there, it's it's on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But I, I feel like it, I always feel like it's for Eric, like capital yeah. E first name. Maybe maybe his thing is that he only has one name, like Madonna. That's fair. It could be he just or Adele Eric. or yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, Raven. And that follows because when we think of like famous, uh, you know, kings of old, you know, like we think of Henry the Eighth. You know, we, th- we don't think of his last name or family name. We think of Henry. So, I mean, that kind of follows. Just Prince yeah. Eric. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm all out of notes. How are you guys? I'm good. Yeah, I notes. think we covered it. Okay. That's all we have for you today, listeners. We are part of Dueling Genre. You can find us and many other podcasts at DuelingGenre.com. There you will also find a link to a Patreon page where you can support all Dueling Genre productions. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at DizMinute, on email as DisneyAnimationMinute at gmail.com, and on Facebook at the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society or Damsels Group. Our guests can be found at the anima- at AnimationStationPodcast.com on Twitter at animate podcast and on Instagram at animation station podcast. We want to thank star Wars minute for starting the whole movies by minutes trend and opening it up for so many people so that we can be doing this project until next time. Listeners, thank you for making us part of your world. <laughs>